boop bop, beat up, boop bop, ba bow. What it do, baby? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Who is this? <laughs> Who is this? Yo. We got we got a guest or something, Evan? What, yeah, what's going on? Who's sitting like next it. to you, man? I, I don't know. Someone's sus. Someone look Okay, looking very good. Thank very you. Very good, <laughs> if I do say so myself. I made myself up to look good for you guys today. So. Oh, we can <laughs> Man, tell. We, we're, we're super excited for this episode. We're at episode five. All right, standing <laughs> at, we'll say six foot. We'll say? Yeah. It's six feet. Oh, my fault. <laughs> don't, don't let him doubt. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't talk, right? I'm like five, nine. I'm a you shit, know, right? Good guess, though. Yeah, yeah. At six feet from DePaul University. Music to law, number 55, white chocolates number. JP Pendowski, welcome to the Atrium Bro Code. Hey, welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's thank you for pulling through, man. Absolutely. How are you doing? Doing well. Feeling good. Oh, man. So, yes, we're, we're really excited to kind of just bring in our first guest. The more the merrier. Um, so welcome. We'll, we'll start off a bit serious and then we'll kind of go derailed from there. But <laughs> <laughs> let's actually start off with uh, your background from being in music and then coming to law school. I think that's definitely one of the more uh, interesting and unique ba- academic backgrounds that I've seen, like from all the peers that I've met. So why don't you just kind of walk us through like your initial passion for music, what you initially kind of envisioned out of a career in music and what led you eventually to law school? Yeah, so what I thought about as a career for music, I don't think I had any conception of what I was going to do with it. It was a situation where at the end of high school, I had been playing piano for a while. I knew that I was good at piano, and I had all the indications that I was like, oh, I should, I might want to study this because I'm good at it. And so my, uh, my path through music really starts as a kid. My family's very musically inclined. We all play uh, instruments. My mom plays like five. My dad plays two or three. My whole, my whole family, actually, we grew up playing different instruments. My brother, guitar. I played piano, drums, among other things. My sister plays violin. And so we were sort of like a you know, partridge family sort of thing. We, even in high school, we would play weddings. We would do fun stuff like that. And it really is a key part of my personality, of my like, character, is just having a, like a musical sort of side to it. And so all throughout my childhood, I had uh, been what's the word, like cultivating this interest in music. I remember actually one of the first things I'd listened to, I'd listened to for anybody who recognizes this, I was listening to Mazursky um, a long time ago. It was one of my first core memories. And so I think starting from then, having lessons throughout being a kid and then picking up piano at 11, I figured like, this is something I'm really interested in. It's hard to, to describe exactly what I felt about music at the time when I was forming those memories, but I think I really wanted to do something with it. I wanted to refine the craft and just be able to express myself through that art. And I felt most at home there. And that's why I went into it for college and studied it there, like throughout. Uh, getting into college and doing music and then trying to make her career out of it though, like what I found was that you had to make certain concessions for yourself if you wanted to make it work. Mm-hmm. So for example, it wasn't always gigging. Gigging was the fun part. If you could find places where you could gig um, you would have the most fun just because you'd be actually playing, like actually being an expressive person and doing things. Even if you didn't like the music, you could still have the chance to be an expressive individual and artist. 
Um, but it wasn't as uh, it wasn't quite as regular as it needed to be to make a career out of it. And that's really one of the hardest parts about being an artist or a musician is just that you're trying to find all of your connections so that you have a regular going thing. And you can imagine that being a uh, being a concert pianist, there's really like there's not a lot of opportunities for that when you're just starting out and when you're just getting into the game. And so what ends up happening is most musicians will become teachers after that because teaching is really regular. You know, you have your studio that you set up or that an, a company will set up for you. You show up, you teach, and there's something fulfilling about that, but it definitely gets tiresome and cumbersome in the, in the end. And so what happened was I got to Pandemic and I was already sort of like up in the air about what I was doing with music. My original intention had been to get a doctorate and to study, um, I wanted to study the in-between of French music and Russian music at the turn of the 20th century. It was something very specific. really wow. niche, and yeah. it was something that had interested me mainly because I liked the music so much and I wanted to get into it. Um, but what I had just sort of discovered about musicology as a field was just that it was incredibly niche. There wasn't a lot of like space to expand the area that I wanted to study. And it was also just, it would require me to move away, like to potentially like move wherever they had space for me. And I was getting to a point in my life where I was like, I don't know if I wanna leave my family. I'm from Chicago, my family set up in Chicago. And especially as my parents are getting older and my, my brother moved back to town, my sister's gonna move back to town. I didn't know if I wanted to leave the area so quickly. And so staying in Chicago became an important thing for me and when I was applying to schools, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to dip on Chicago if, nece if necessary. The other thing too that's a little bit more obvious is just that a musician's salary doesn't get you very much. And so it's tough when you, know, you cultivate a, a sense that like, you have all these cultural ideas and you have all these like, um, this knowledge about art history, music history, you know, as far and as expansive as it'll get, but you really can't enjoy that much of it because you don't make enough to actually enjoy those things, to go see those concerts. Um, and then you don't have the time to do it because you're always hustling. And that was really something that I like struggled with was like, I was always on the hustle when I was in college through a master's degree, just like always trying to do a gig, always trying to do something else to make more money so that I could feel a little bit more secure. And so it just so happened that like, I had a lot of friends in music school and otherwise who had gone to law school afterwards and I mean, as with any sort of professional degree, you look at what your prerequisite requirements would be. And seeing that with law, I'm like, oh, I just have to take a test. I just gotta get good at a test and, and then like show up. I could do that. And yeah, so yeah, uh -huh. and, and so that's kind of the, the first inklings of me thinking about going to law school. I just had friends who had done it. I knew that, you know, down to brass tacks that I could get paid to read and write. And I'm like, I've been good at that for a long while. So I might as well try and like, monetize that to the best of my ability. Right, right. And so it's, it's sort of been me, like going from music to law has been also me finding what I wanna do with the law, like what I like where my niche is in the law as well. Mm -hmm. But I think what's nice about it for me is that now that I have a separate thing that's more or less like money making, but also something I can study separate from music, it's easier to enjoy music. The last thing I'll add about this is like, you know, in the path, when you're doing it as your profession, or at least an artistic endeavor as your profession, it gets really easy to just start disliking the, the art itself. I remember, and many musicians who jump out of the field will say this too, that you have a, you start to have like a difficult or a complicated relationship with music, with your instrument and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's actually only this year that I've been getting out of the complications of me and piano and starting to enjoy it by itself and only for myself. And so that's been a nice part about, you know, jumping ship out of music and figuring out like a new area where
where I could set up shop. But you know, that's that's my path. Every musician who's jumped from music and something else has a different path and sure. a different experience. Uh-huh. But you know, by and large, that was sort of my experience going through it. Wow, that's a very thorough and you know wonderful journey that you had. I had quite a few points where I thought like, oh, that's really interesting. I didn't know that about you, uh, JP. But did you? Because your whole family plays instruments. Did you have like family performances? That's what I was about or... to ask. Yeah. Oh man, I, I don't know why. Just in my mind, like, I was I, picturing you know, scrolling young scrolling through TikTok. I see like the really cute like family. Yeah. Families yeah. playing music and stuff. I was like, that, that was young JP. Yeah. Was it? It that was us actually for oh, a long wow. while. Because so, <laughs> my mom plays piano, violin, viola, flute. She plays accordion too, which comes it comes in handy every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And we have like some old busted accordion just like hold up in my parents' house. So. Yeah, but we, we do that fairly frequently, actually. My family still does weddings. And so, like, what my mom will do, especially for family friends, is she'll gift them whatever music they want. So you won't have to pay for any music. You'll be able to just, like, tell us what you want to play. doesn't matter what song, what genre, and we'll, we'll arrange it for you and turn it into, like, a classical arrangement so that oh. it's wedding appropriate. Wow. So we've done, like... That's we, super wholesome, man. We did, like, an R&B, like, reggae-themed wedding one time. We did one that was um, early 2000s pop punk uh-huh. that we turned into classical stuff. We did just, like, a huge array, like, one that was, like, 60s through 2000s. And it's it's honestly, like, a fun challenge for us because it's like, okay, we don't get to have the same characteristics of, like, having a drum beat or having something that drives it forward. How are we going to be creative and make it so that we have that, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes it gets stressful. Like, you know, the last wedding that we all did, we were at the Botanical Gardens. That's a, It's really beautiful. It was in the summer. And the hardest thing for us to figure out was just like, okay, we're all spread out now. Like, right, I'm huh. in Chicago. Like, I have a, like, my brother's in Chicago, but we need to rehearse somehow. And so getting together late at night, rehearsing for like three, four hours at a time and trying to get that through. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's like a very fulfilling thing and a unique fulfilling thing because I don't know how many people can say, hey, I, I did a gig with my family, you know? Yeah, that a is... great way to bond with family yeah. and a great way to bond with friends. And it sounds so nice to be able to share your whole family's creative input uh, with everybody that you like and love. Yeah, and I mean, to your point about being able to share with others, I think that's what's nice about uh, doing Follies for anybody listening. What who is gets Follies? It. So Follies is the yearly sort of revelry show that Northwestern puts on. Apparently other schools will do it too. But Northwestern does it around the same time every year, late March, early April. And essentially what it is, is it's law students putting on a show that satirizes certain key aspects of the law school, certain professors, certain, like, I don't know, uh, resources they put on. <laughs> oh, we know the professors yeah, that you, we're thinking yeah, of right you now. Know. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> and so a lot of stuff like that. And what'll also ha- what they need then is they'll need musicians to back them up because they they want to do songs and they'll like for example we're um, I'll, I'll spoil a little bit yes but we get the first inside scoop just a few a few of the songs like if you've liked man I feel like a woman we're doing that song mm. change to Northwestern law specific Let's we're doing manic Monday change to Northwestern law specific things okay. um, one more we're doing uh, ABC by the Jackson 5 turn a- that a- into Atri- Atrium Brocode uh, by uh, the Jackson Atri- 5 uh, Atrium Brocode by <laughs> wow. uh, Evan and Justin they copied our they copied our swag you guys well, what can we say we're, we're pretty influential we're trendsetters, trendsetters. Yeah. yeah there you go the there synergy you go. is already there it's never oh going away gosh. man wow 
that is incredible and you know it's funny whenever you mention follies because it's the three of us i remember earlier this semester <laughs> uh yeah you, you already know what i'm about to say right because I, I know when you initially said follies just now i thought what's follies that doesn't sound right i only know it as wallies <laughs> um, and for those you know who are like what are these guys talking about like wigmore was a huge um presence a, a huge figure within the northwestern community as a whole so it's officially called the wigmore follies and you know just as a meme we're like we should be contrarian we should make something called the figmore wallies i think we, we're funny guys we absolute classic humor there absolutely you know, just... now we wanted to let the actual follies get their shine rightfully so so we just kind of did something a little more low-key with the atrium bro code you know but we just wanted to give a shout out to our second brainchild you know <laughs> that just didn't ultimately come to fruition in a in a in a, a show coming to you soon well you'll you'll see it sooner oh now. yeah like yeah. season three of the atrium bro code like you know <laughs> introduction of the big more wallies big man. laws not panning out we're turning to creative expression we're, we're, you, know, you know spare change that'll be us it was also just the date and time like i don't know what it was about where we were on that day but it was after the yeah. cups game right yes, we were yeah. just like going to like a bar here the a cups place game there. I missed. <laughs> Let's okay. <laughs> that deserves a second. Really, I think it does. That deserves a little funny rundown, don't yeah, you yeah. think, oh, Mr. Evan? So sad. So I, I've never been to a Cubs game before. Um, uh, they invited me to a Cubs game, and I was like, "All right, time to go take a look at what a Cubs game is." Though at the time, it was a part of a class requirement, which overlapped with the, the first hour or two. So we thought. So it was, we, we thought, thought it was about to be like, "Oh, Evans <laughs> just got this short thing, half an hour. He'll be there. He's gonna catch it." And what sort of coincided was that this happened to be the quickest game that Justin and I had ever attended. Where <laughs> no offense. It was insane. No like, bats. Yeah, nothing happened. The Cubs won, thank God. Yeah. But there was the no- trash pirates, man. <laughs> oh my god. Don't play it down. At least they, they got the W that day. True. But so a W's a W. Yes. This game went by so fast, and Justin and I look at each other every inning. We're just like, so when's Evan about to show up? And we're looking yeah. at these texts, and Evan's like, okay, I just finished. I'm going to drive over there. Yeah. And we're like, this is the seventh inning. Yeah, it's yeah, the seventh inning. Stretch, I remember yeah. exactly. You're, you're exactly I, right. It Justin was the and I are having inning. a good time, too. We bought the ice cream cup hats. I, I have the, the helmet in that cabinet behind you, actually. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we had beers. We were like... We were like, should we be having this good of a time if yeah, we, Evan's not here? It, it was bittersweet, you know? We were like, I we was done, and I looked blessed. at my phone, and it's the seventh inning. I'm like, what? I thought you guys said that games tend to go longer. They usually so do. run over to the car, drive over, park, and I'm running towards the stadium. I don't know why finding parking is so hard. Well, maybe I do know why. But <laughs> I was running towards the stadium. I get to the stadium. I'm not even in the stadium yet. I'm right outside the stadium. The huge screen goes, Cubs win. <laughs> and then people wearing blue just pour out of the stadium. <laughs> yo, If I were yo. there like 10 minutes later, I don't think I would have felt as bad. Because yeah. I'm there just to see people pouring yeah. out with smiles on their faces. <laughs> it's like straight out of a movie, right? right. It's like right. the camera you guys won, you but... going like... <laughs> the crowd just like and you know goes your direction i think the yeah. best part yeah. is getting is evan getting there and then just seeing the sign change from information to cubs, win. cubs yeah. right. <laughs> i was there at that moment yeah. like, what are like the chances timing there? right <laughs> you know i'm gonna post for our next instagram post our our celebratory cubs picture as well just so the <laughs> listeners get even more context and we're not just blowing smoke you know you did yeah. get you did get you know 
clout for being there though. Taking a pick at Wrigley. You got the hat too. You got the hat. You rocked the hat. You guys got the caps. Yep. Yep. Let's kind of hop a little bit back on track before we, you know, hop back off. You know, I I enjoyed our little (laughs) detour, but that, yeah. yeah. So JP, um, you, you mentioned a little bit, a lot bit actually of your background and, and, (laughs) and it's, it's extremely interesting, especially coming from me, KJD. So I, I think your, your journey is just extremely fascinating. What reflections, I guess, do you have like from your first, like, one and a half plus years of law school like i'm sure you're happy with your decision by now but like i guess what are your thoughts of how this journey has evolved and what bits and pieces of advice do you have maybe specifically for people in maybe the music industry or just other industries very different from law that maybe want to pivot to law school in the future there's a lot of a lot of stuff in that i think um when it comes to pivoting I think a lot of musicians and artists get this sense that, you know, I've, I've expended so much time and effort into my craft and in refining it. And I don't know if I want to give it up so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely struggled with that in the beginning. That being said, I had a pretty complicated relationship, like I'd said, with music, where there's a, you get a bit of resentment from it because you do, you do put so much time into it. My brother, who is, who is also a, an ex-musician turned to something else, has said it's kind of like you break up with a, like a longtime girlfriend and you knew the relationship was toxic and you needed to get out. But there's also a sense that like you kind of wish that you would have stuck it through and just, you know, see what would have happened. Um, at the same time, like it's never too late, I guess. If I were to talk to myself uh, a few years ago when I was really considering, I wasn't sure it would have been like, this isn't a bad decision. It's never too late to jump ship and to try something new. I mean, there are people who uh, go to med school at 40. People go to law school even later. Like, yeah. and it's you know they just wanna they wanna try out something else. And it's never it's never a bad decision to just like if you really need to get out of something and you're really finding that you're in a dead end, you might as well like start new if you can. Um, when it comes to like things that I've learned along the way. I think that law school is one of those really law school and professional schools in general that require you to work a whole lot. Um, and I, I guess this isn't specific only to professional schools, but like anytime you go through like rigorous, intensive coursework or academic work, you learn a lot about yourself, a lot more than you might think you would have learned about yourself. You know, how much tolerance you have for certain types of work, how much like uh, long-standing you can do a certain like you can do a certain thing even like things about yourself like what you like you know I, I came into law school kind of like in you know a blank slate not really knowing what I wanted to do what I wanted to practice sure. and the amount of things that I found interesting within the first like the first semester even second semester was astounding you know there was a it was like uh, this whole world that opened up to me that I'd never considered before and just when you I guess the way I took it was I was in the music industry for so long, I had not any idea about what this meant, like what the practice of law even was. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like if I could have prepped better, I might have pulled a Marty Reddish and read the book prior to coming to class. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but he said that before coming to class, he read like the first few like chapters of his Civ Pro book. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. if there's not, if there's any sort of gunner behavior, like in def, in def, like definition, that's it. Oh, you know, absolutely. The most gunnery behavior you can get. Yeah. But I kind of wish that I did that so I had more context for what uh, I was going to learn. I remember jumping into a lot of law school stuff and being like, "What the hell am I doing?" Like, oh yeah, that was sort of pro, like fish out of water. Weeks, like oh yeah, one through whatever in a nutshell, yeah. right? Yeah, just complete fish out of water for myself. Like trying to figure out like, oh, this makes sense because yeah. like we need these parts of the law to operate in this way. Sure. It was it was really fascinating to be honest. Yeah, it's just extremely fishy as well, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah. It def- definitely smelled fishy. <laughs> <laughs> stanky, stanky. Yeah. But oh, yeah, you know, man. like there's a, a lot of those lessons came out of uh, just the struggle of being a 1L. And you know, there's a lot of myth mythos around being a 1L. Like it's this one time where everyone knows you're going to struggle yeah. and everyone accepts the fact that the struggle is like right in front of you and in uh, you can't circumvent it at all right 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 and so i think in that period where i like i really struggled through figuring out what i wanted to do mm-hmm. while also trying to keep up like academic rigor i found out a lot about myself that became useful for understanding like how i operate the type of place i wanted to work at the type of law i even wanted to practice i still don't know what that is now completely sure but i have a better idea of it mm-hmm. that's yeah, I feel like you kind of summarized not only your experiences, but like how Evan and I were kind of feeling too in terms of coming in with a blank slate, not really knowing much about the legal field in general. But I feel like through through our experiences, um, we've learned a lot more. I mean, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I think all three of us, and I feel like just a lot of our um, student body as a whole, just kind of share those same sentiments. Whether you know you are coming from a background in music or you know maybe finance or etc. Right? I think it's it's a really cool. A melting pot that we're, we're kind of in which I honestly didn't expect coming into school in general right I think what's even like more interesting too you get into that like you get all these different experiences and you really start to think about what would have been the experience that I could have had prior to law school that would have prepped me for this mm-hmm. you know because you get this sense that you want diverse perspectives coming to law schools. At least that's what admissions people told you, maybe right. to jazz you up so that you'd apply and like their program. <laughs> you feel special, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. It's like, oh, there aren't that many musicians in law. You're a necessary perspective that like nobody else is going to have. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, to, the, to an extent that's true, but at the same time to excel and to really feel like you're excelling, um, you need some sort of uh, like context for going to law school. At least sure. I thought that it would have been helpful to have that. But... Um, yeah, I will say like, it's cool to see that there's people of like uh, that there are people of a lot of different backgrounds. I've met a lot of musicians and even theater folk who like have just cropped up, decided like you know I can use my theater background, my performative arts background to you know do law work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, t- and in a sense like in a sense all of our law work will be performative to a degree, right? No matter if you're like in the in, in if you're litigating. Or if you're in front of like a board or other like supervisors where you have to present material, and so I think like that really played into it. That played into my decision for coming to law school was like I'm a performer at heart. Like I, I'm not afraid of jumping up in front that, of a group of people. Yeah, and saying I like something, that. Right, I like that a lot. Ooh, that I'm I'm a frame that JP. Do it. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm gonna hang that on on the front door of my office. You know, next to the. <laughs> diploma with you know one <laughs> l sports law society yeah. rep and all that one l rep for a pulsa <laughs> yeah mini hoop and everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> nah jp is a one cool cat i will be the first to say that yeah. thank you evan justin and i've talked about this but when you have your office in the, in the coming years are you going to put anything in your office are you going to have anything on your door how are you going to decorate I might get a purple Yoshi for myself. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> you can't name him Perp, though. Oh, That's certified pill. to my man no, right pill, here. Pill doesn't sound as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I probably have some photos of people I like. It's very maybe, sweet. Maybe one of you and Justin. Oh, that's very sweet. Um, oh. 
separately though because i'm not really a big fan of jp at the end of the day you know if you're gonna put justin and i in the same room like put him on one corner and then put me in the front and center so people see me you can put, <laughs> you can put him behind like a tree or something and then see this is what america does to minorities man like, <laughs> it's terrible Mind conquer yeah. playing the minority yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, we're not doing <laughs> Oh, man. What did you guys say you were going to put in, in your offices? Well, Justin and I talked about putting up, like, a basketball hoop. You know, like, one of those things you put on the door frame. <laughs> like the mini hoop? Yeah, mini yeah. hoop, yeah. for sure. So, partner comes in. He's like, Justin, what is this? And I'll, I'll be like, just point, you know? Yeah. He'll look, like, away. And then, next thing you know, poster! <laughs> right there. <laughs> and then I'll have one of my friends, you know, like, one of my lawyer friends, like, take a little snapshot, just frame it on the partner's wall. <laughs> And that's going to be how he populates his, his office. Just pictures of him dunking. Yeah, the no yeah. one's safe. No, nobody's safe. Not even for her. <laughs> just imagine a new junior associate coming in yeah. later. It's just like immediately making an impact. Comes you know? to visit you. Rookie of the year right here. Oh. That's a fact. Hello, Mr. Off. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what is this? Dunked. Yeah. <laughs> Do Don't tell Don't um, your yeah. juniors like that, man. They're going to have to get this rep. Yeah. We're going to start targeting you. You're gonna, they're gonna get. Oh, they're gonna do like the alley oop type. They're gonna of be stuff. like, yeah, I want to yeah. go to Simpsons so I can dunk on this guy. Yo, you no, know, like no, this guy, man. like he thinks he's hot. He thinks he's so hot. You know, he's dunking on everyone. Yeah. Like, gonna I mean, that's I can only dunk on a mini hoop, so you know, I have to get mine some way, right? <laughs> yeah, man. So honestly, that 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 was definitely a refreshing talk, especially with your music background, and um, I think given our brief memory about the minority experience. I think that's a good segue into another topic that we wanted to touch upon. JP, you are an honorary Korean. Um, <laughs> but what what was what what is your I guess background like, you know, ethnic background and like how did that kind of shape just your overall like life <laughs> growing up? So I've got a fun I've got a fun mix. When I was growing up, um, I think I present as like ethnically ambiguous. And so I'd get this question uh, all throughout under, like uh, not undergrad, but like junior high, high school, like, oh, JP, like, what are you? And I'd be like, hell if I know. Um, <laughs> what are you? <laughs> what are you? Yeah. You a question. <laughs> With a point, yeah, pointed like, finger. <laughs> so, so what are you? And then I'd, I'd be oh, like, no. oh, that's my cue. I gotta, I gotta run down the list. Right, right. So I'm, um, so on my dad's side, I'm Polish and German. And my grandma on my dad's side, like, really insists that we're part Luxembourg. I don't really oh, think that's a thing. Okay. Um, because it's so small, yeah. but you know, I'll, I'll run with it. Isn't that the richest country, like GDP per capita or something like that? I mean, aren't you throwing like acronyms and numbers at me? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like what are you talking about? Justin? <laughs> I, I, that was like Guinness like, world of records. I, like, I, okay. I, I did a lot to stay away from numbers. Ooh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, my but, bad, my bad. Touchy <laughs> subjects. <huh? laughs> so I'm on my dad's side. Polish German, mm -hmm. maybe Luxembourg. On my mom's side, I'm Filipino and Japanese. And you're so, Japanese. Too? That's right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Just, yeah, you mentioned so, that once, ever yeah. so slightly. You yes, know, yes. Um, and so it, you know how that presents is always interesting for people to grapple with. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I I don't hold it against them just because I you know I've gotten like people think I look like Mexican or Puerto Rican, and I'm like I guess, but I don't really know. Filipinos will recognize me as Filipino, and like. You know, we just see each other from like across the room. We're like that guy's Filipino. Like I know. Interesting. It's the yeah. gays, huh? It really, you know, it's just like that one instance of recognition. Yeah. There's one thing that I don't know if if any of the listeners are Filipinos, but one thing that Filipinos will do is they do this thing called they go like that. It's it pierces through brick 
through people, anything. And like, uh-huh. I've been in crowds with like my Filipino friends, and my dad used to do that all the time. He picked it up from my from my grandma, and um, and we would all just look up, like, what, what was that? <laughs> and it's just a, it's a thing that was ingrained in all of us. And so I think like, you know, that's one way that we could tell like, oh, we're part of the same like ethnic cultural background. Right, right. How that affected me. Um, going to school I don't really know how much it did affect me I honestly like coming to law school and being part of a Paulso is the first instance of me um, embracing it more or less when mm-hmm. I was at DePaul and I was doing music I wasn't really big on school spirit I was more or less there to just to practice to hang right. out um, meet like just to be friends with my roommates I don't know you were was, not a blue demon huh? I was not I was not, not really like that blue. Yeah. I was a double demon too because I, I got know. a master's yeah. there and I was just was, was not I did not bleed blue and so mm, you bleed purple yeah, I think so. A little, more, yeah, a little more, a little more. But I didn't really reach out to like the uh, Asian American group there. I wasn't like an active part of it. I I don't know. I got it. I got to school, and I think I was more worried about trying to make friends within the music school and trying to keep my like practice up and trying to like and not wanting to be bogged down with extra things. And so I was worried about joining a group, and so I didn't I didn't really push myself to do it. And then coming to uh, coming to law school, I was like, well, this this might be the time for me to actually embrace it. Um, law school was at a time too, like my grandma had passed away from the like in the Philippines, and um, my grandpa had been staying with me for a long. He'd been staying with my parents for you know a year or so, and just sort of hanging out with him and had, like watching him process like his years with my grandmother and like have my mom sort of dig into her Filipino culture as well. I was like, I think this is a, a ripe time for me to dig into it a little bit and maybe just reach out a little bit more uh, with more effort. And so I can't say that it's it's affected me that much, like at least as much as I can tell going into the degree or going into any of my previous degrees. But what I can say like now that I've become part of the community and have put more effort into like helping and supporting, I think that I, I've had such a good time like meeting all of y'all and also meeting everyone else at Apulsa too. I think that something about the like Apulsa this year, about the e-board, about the people who are in it, is that it seems so much tighter than um, than I could have imagined it would have been. We're all really close friends. We all like hanging out with each other. The vibe of the e-board and of the end of our 1L reps and of our 1L mentees is just like, we're all more or less friends, yeah. right? There isn't so much of that authority, like or the authority um, disparity where it's like, I'm a big 2L, you're a 1L, like, you know, we can't be that close of friends. Right. I mean, case in point, like, we had celebrated one of uh, Justin and I's mutual 1L mentees, like, his birthday last night, and, um, you know, we just we just hung out like we were old friends, you know? Yeah. There's no pretense to it, yeah. and I feel like that's something you don't get all the time. It's really refreshing to have that sort of, uh, have that vibe, have that relationship with, you know, people who were, were in our spots last year. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel like that's not only great for you and Justin and um, other people on the Apulsa board, but also it'd be really nice for the 1Ls too. Like as a 1L to be able to connect to that level with a 2L or a 3L, just be friends is going to be a very comforting experience to some degree. Yeah, it yeah. definitely goes a long way. Like the com- comfort, you take that for granted. Absolutely. I, I, like I feel very comfortable like most of my time in college and I thought that I would just lose that all like coming to, to law school. But I think getting like, you know, acclimated with, you know, friends super quickly that that just eased my transition too. So I hope like we're all making an impact, you know, I think uh, so, you know, with, I mean, with the class flowing, hopefully with the one else next year, I think that'll be a 
big party, man. <laughs> I think so. And I, I think just what we all bring to the table when it comes to helping out the Wynels and understanding, like, we were there. We saw how hard it was. We saw how divisive being a 1L in 1L fall could be. You know, like people didn't know each other. We, did, we didn't want to share all of our information all the time because it really was competitive, right? Yeah. And so I think, especially when you're in 1L and it's really hard to make friends in a super competitive setting, having the like 2L or 3L to just check in on you and to be friendly with you and to develop that relationship is extremely comforting and, and reassuring in a lot of ways too. To give you that sense like, you're in a small bubble right now. You know, the 1L fall bubble is true. And it mm -hmm. pops once, like, it pumps after the summer, right, you know? Right, uh -huh. And so just to have that extra perspective where somebody who's been through it is like, you know, this looks like your whole universe right now. It really isn't. It's just like you don't know anything else beyond it. Mm -hmm. Once you get through, like, a job, once you get through OCI, once you get through, like, actually meeting people in your class and finding, like, oh, all these people are really cool. I want to hang out with them a lot more. Everything eases a whole bunch. For sure, yes. Yeah, really well said. <laughs> Justin, you you were making you were making SpongeBob memes earlier. Oh you can't my! Get away. I I caught your Squidward meme from <laughs> oh, earlier. Yeah. The, he, the he free change, the free change meme. I <laughs> don't think you went unheard. <laughs> he eats his heart. Yep, exactly that. <laughs> and then pop that bubble. I'm I'm pop from that. exactly. Yeah, and just, I'm, you know we got to Photoshop like <laughs> like Northwestern law, like Pritzker or whatever. Dude, on honestly, top of the bubble. See? And then hold it right there. <laughs> I'm right from that like the sweet spot of kids who grew up at that time, yeah. and I just got old enough to watch it, and so like, I, you know, really, when I got to college, one of the first things that my um, my first roommate and I bonded over was like uh, our encyclopedic knowledge of SpongeBob, seasons <laughs> one through three only, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Like, you know, you give me a quote, yeah, I'll quote it. Like, yeah. I'll run with it. You're proud, right? Yeah. You're yeah. very proud. No shame. You're not ugly, but you are proud. <laughs> See? Evan, Is that another come on, one? man. Evan, you don't remember on, that That's a classic. I'm ugly my and I'm proud. My life was like Patrick's life. I was under a rock. Nice. I didn't even know Good that ref. Korea had a World Cup in 2002. What, Evan? And I was Be the Reds, man. The time. Are you serious? Yeah. I only knew about it after I moved to Korea in 2008. Oh, wow. So, I, I really Dang. had no interaction, like yeah. very little interaction with the TV. <laughs> Yo, and I was uh -huh. just living in nature in New Zealand. Maybe that's uh, better than around on the grasslands. That's probably better than me just like being glued to the TV, like rotting my brain with SpongeBob and like memes and basketball. Like I became such a one-dimensional human being. I guess. Like look at it you. It sounds multi-dimensional to you. One-dimensional. Oh my bad. There's two dimensions, right? Basketball and SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah my bad. I need to give myself a little bit more credit here, right? For but, me, you know. there's trees, mm -hmm. shrubs, rivers, <laughs> little streams, you know. Like a druid. Oh my god. Whoa. Should whoa. I just Photoshop like antlers onto my head? Yeah, I mean, the, at this point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, by the way, for that um, 2002 Career World Cup, so I, I we finished no in fourth place. That was by far our best finish ever, right? Yeah. But my parents, you know, they were like, yeah, be the Reds, yeah. And they never told me about, like, they were just like, oh, you know, it's too bad that you were barely, like, sentient, you know, at, like, barely, like, not even three, right? That's but. how I felt with the Jordan years, because I was just barely alive mm. for the Jordan years. And it's like, my dad tells me stories about how, yeah, we used to hang out in the in the basement watching the, watching the Bulls game, the playoffs yeah. games, or the playoff games, and you would just hang out and watch. And I'm like, damn if I remember, you know, it'd be nice. <laughs> 
my dad was really into the Bulls at that right. time. Of, and so of course. Just, How can you not, right? I remember growing up and telling my dad, I'm like, you know, Dad, I love sports. Mm. And he was like, attaboy. Mm. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I raised my son right. And then he yeah. later and then he later told me when I was – I asked my dad, I'm like, Dad, should I keep playing basketball in high school? Uh-huh. And he was like, you're like a B-plus basketball player Ooh. and an A-level piano player, so you might want to consider like, – He just lets you make the <laughs> yeah. decision, like kind of yeah. setting it up on your yeah. – Oh, my. I think my dad thinks of me as like you're pretty like B plus level like athlete. Mm-hmm. That's why like my best sports were always ones where it wasn't it was it wasn't me having to like hit a thing. Uh, um, uh-huh. It was always like because I did track in high school too, and that that was which that was my which best. event I did um, hundred two fifty four hundreds. Wow, mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah, four hundred sucked. Four hundred. Oh, like, that that's horrible. But yeah. the eight hundred was horrible too oh, yeah. trust me on that i can't imagine yeah they, my coaches realized that i ran a good 250 and they're like we're gonna throw you into 400 yeah it's only I, it's only a little bit more and i was like oh that's it's gonna be easy it's cash and then i got into the practices yeah. with those we would do like 5 30 a.m right. practice and i jump into my 400 practice and it'd be like all right you're gonna do this like eight times and i was yeah. like no <laughs> like no <laughs> not do this <laughs> no i did it anyways but what so a like, champ. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There's always those sports where I was like, it's only me trying to run in a uh, line. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not actually me needing skill. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I mean, JP, you I see your skills playing basketball too, though. So, like, I, I see it. Yeah, you know, that's sure. just, and that's from like growing up and playing ball. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've got the same the same background, but um, when I grew up, we would go to youth group on Fridays. That was a thing that mm-hmm. my you know my family would send me to youth group mm-hmm. and. Towards the end of high school, the main attraction for us was we'd all show up a little early. We'd ball for an hour and and just get like, I don't know, five, six games in. We'd play like, uh, what, 10-minute games, 12-minute games. And um, that's where all of my basketball IQ and basketball fundamentals comes from. Just from like playing ball through the summers yeah. at, during youth groups and like things like that. I see. So it's it's very much ingrained in like mine, my brothers, and my fr- and my like my friend group from home, like how we all hung out. Because imagine, you know, you're growing up in Chicago suburbs, yeah. nothing to do, right? So every summer it would be like uh, someone knocking on our door like, you want to play basketball? And we just stay, Easy. Out, stay out for a few hours. You Easy. Know? Man, so you, you got all sweaty before reading the good word. That's that's so disrespectful, <laughs> man. Oh, my gosh. The youth pastor would come and play too. Okay. You know? <laughs> so all right, all right. Just, He's valid. Actually, He's the youth valid. pastor was really cool. Um, yeah. He was this Korean guy named uh, Jintek. And like, he balled oh. out. He was really good. Uh-huh. Like he had the deepest voice of all time, too. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> deeper like, than that, probably. Huh? So imagine yeah. you're running down the court and you're not playing D, and you get like a get back on D like that. Oh like, my god! You know, you're 15. You're just like, oh my god. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. What's his um Korean last name? Like uh, Chung. Chung Jin Tech. Mm-hmm. Wow. He sounds like a G. He's really cool. He sounds like, really cool. I we, I actually still keep up with him from time to time. He's got a like. He's got a full family now. He's got like four kids. Really? So do they hoop? To, do they hoop too? They're all young, but his sons. He's already started teaching. Like, uh, okay. How to okay. hoop? And so, oh, perfect! Like, I can dunk on them. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Easy. I'll send him your way. More Actually, I'll, I'll cross them over. I gotta mix it up a little bit. You I know? think his family's from LA, like, or his wife's family's from. LA. I have to meet. I have to meet this. Um, yeah. This man someday. Really you know? nice Evan, guy. So. We, let's. Yeah. Evan was. Oh, Evan was a hooper too. No, yes, no, sir. I, I actually forgot. Var, varsity, bro. No, that's no, no, no. that's varsity, legit, dude. I was varsity bench warmer. Hey, that dude. you know what they say. I ate a lot so that I have enough calories to burn to keep the bench warm. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'd overdo it, and like when the players come back, they'd want to stay on the bench because it's so warm and nice. <laughs> yeah. Yo, but you know what they say. 
Varsity Benchwarmer is still on Varsity. And oh, 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 maybe this actually might be a good segue. This is a segue. Uh, we, we, have a, we actually have a surprise guest just chilling. Want to know who the special guest is? Well, tune in next time on the Atrium Bro Code.